Hello, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Dave, and I am here again with Lee Robinson, the VP of Developer Experience at Vercel. Lee, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Excited to talk a bit more as a follow-up to our last conversation. Yeah, so in this one, we can kind of spill the beans and talk a little bit about mm -hmm. the exciting features um, that are, are being announced and that developers can take advantage of. So if you have not heard the previous episode, please tune in just so you can get a little background on Lee and you can get a baseline of React and what Next.js is and what you know all of this uh, is about. We're going to dive right into some of the announcements and the new features that you can take advantage of now. So what was announced? What are some of the big things going mm -hmm. on? New version, I hear. Yes. Yeah, let's start there. So we announced a new okay. version, Next.js 13, that introduces a couple really awesome things for developers. The first is some new and improved components that developers can take advantage of. So we have a new image component that we've, you know, we've had out for a little bit in beta for folks to try out. That's now ready for everybody to adopt. It is faster, it's easier to use, and it builds on a lot of community feedback that we've had. We have a new font component that allows you to really easily load web fonts. So maybe you want to load some custom font from, you know, any provider to help improve the, the visual design of your site. Next.js is giving you a new component that allows you to either pull font files from a registry like Google Fonts or from your local machine, automatically self-host them on your server, on your Next.js server, to get the best performance while minimizing the layout shift from loading in that font. So basically, we're taking care of all the hard parts yeah. of performantly loading fonts to you know, prevent having your page jump around a bunch when the new font loads in and just putting it into a really easy API for developers to use. Um, the third, just a small one, but we made some improvements to the link component, which allows for that fast client side transition between pages. So it feels snappy like a single page app. Right. Um, but, but really the big thing here, those are, those are the features that folks can kind of upgrade to Next.js 13 today, start using and just, you know, enjoy in their applications without really any changes. The big thing is that we announced, you know, a few months ago, we were working on a new version of the routing system inside Next.js that builds on a lot of community feedback and a lot of opportunities to enable Next.js developers to just build the most complex interfaces possible. And we're really excited to share that with Next.js 13, this is now incrementally adoptable through a new app directory. So you can upgrade to Next.js 13. You don't, ha you don't have to use this, but if you want to start testing it out, it's available in, in beta. So you can basically start moving things over to this app directory and take advantage of some really amazing stuff. The, the high-level summary here is built-in support for uh, ergonomic nested layouts, built-in support for using React server components by default, which kind of changes this model of how you build with Next.js to be server first. Right. Happy to dive into that a little bit more too. As well as you're able to now stream in data from the server in both runtimes in Next.js, either Node.js or Edge runtime. Now this is great because that means that you can instantly see a loading state sent back from the server 
as you wait for your data to kind of come in from your database or, you know, wherever your database provider is located at. So really a lot of exciting stuff here. Um, you know, some of it you can take advantage of today. Others available in beta, you can kind of incrementally try out and incrementally move a page over. But it's really setting the foundation for the next uh, the next wave of Next.js. Yeah, and I can see that being uh, super critical for dashboards and things like that, where we're pulling in massive data mm -hmm. sets and be able to get events on progress of those things. Can you discuss a little bit uh, React.js server-side components? You mentioned that in, mm -hmm. in how this new routing works. Yeah, so in our in our last time we talked, we, we talked a little bit about how, you know, server rendering was great, but you still had to send all of this JavaScript to the client side to actually make these components yeah. interactive. And, you know, as you add 10, 1,000, 10,000 more components, your JavaScript scales with the number of components that you have. React server components are really interesting because they're a new way of building React applications and a new architecture that helps you send less JavaScript to the client and actually run these components on the server. So previously it wasn't possible to actually run these components on the server. You still had to send that, that client side JavaScript. Now, why this is important is that as my application grows to a hundred thousand components or however many components I want, the amount of JavaScript I need to send to the client remains the same. So this is really, really exciting for you know, developers building applications with Next.js that are really large and as well as folks, you know, just getting started with Next.js who want to, you know, have a, a smaller baseline of the amount of JavaScript they send. Now, of course, it's not just about JavaScript and the amount of, you know, data you're sending over the wire, but also the patterns that this enables for developers. So with server components, you can now co-locate your data fetching directly inside of your components. There's no specific, there's no, you know, Next.js specific APIs or things that you need to learn. There is a new React foundation called Suspense for Data Fetching that we're building on that allows you to quite literally write either, you know, await data or use data mm -hmm. inside of my component to fetch data from a database or nice. an API or really any location. And this all happens on the server. So you can still, you know, securely connect to that and provide an environment variable for your, you know, your secret key or your API key and, you know, compute some HTML and then send it over the wire back to uh, the browser. Yeah, I love it. It's it's basically server-side data binding with client-side rendering and the ability to get event state as those things are routed from the different data sources. Super cool. And so this stuff you're saying is all, because it's an in incremental adoption, it's all compatible with everything that I already have out there. There's, not, there's no changes that developers have to start implementing to existing code. Yeah, so when you upgrade to Next.js 13, developers are, are creating routes in their application in the pages directory. Yeah. And if you want, you know, you can kind of, you can just stick there today and continue building your applications as is. We want to make it easy for, for people to incrementally move over to this new world because it is different. This new world in this app directory that folks can incrementally move into uses server components by default. Right. So in this, in this new world, let's say you've moved over your first route into the app directory, you have the notion of a server component and a client component. And really the mental model here is a client component was everything that existed prior to Next.js 13 because it could run on, it had to send the markup from the server and then become interactive on the client, right? Yep. 
Server components are new and they're different because it can run entirely on the server. So the reason we made this new directory, the reason we're making it incrementally adoptable is to make that an intentional choice for developers to move into this new world that changes the default to server first to less JavaScript and really gives developers these new tools to ergonomically create layouts and put their files, you know, whether it's style sheets or tests, they can co-locate those right next to their routes in their application in this app directory, or, you know, just use or await data directly inside their components without needing any Next.js specific APIs like get server-side props or get static props or having to like pull in, uh, you know, external React libraries. They can just kind of use the actual React primitives that, um, we're, we're making available in Next.js now. I love it. What else? Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely an exciting one. Uh, there's another one that's very exciting, which is that we announced TurboPack, which is the Rust-based successor to Webpack. You know, Webpack, pretty important part of building the web. It's kind of the foundation for really a lot of innovation on the web in the last 10 years. Yeah. And the, the creation of Webpack kind of stems from this realization that we have all of this tooling for JavaScript that is written in JavaScript, which makes sense, but it's gotten to a point where we've, we've squeaked out every last bit of performance that we could possibly squeak out. And the only way to really make it go faster is to change the underlying language and data structures we're using to make it different, essentially a different architecture. Right. So with TurboPack, it uses Rust, which obviously is great, but it's also about how it's implemented. And Turbo Pack builds on the lessons from another tool that Vercel has called Turbo Repo that allows us to create this incremental bundler by design and take kind of a different approach than maybe some other solutions. And the result of this is, you know, if you have a, a decently sized application with 3000 modules in it, TurboPack is 700 times faster than Webpack and also faster than other, yeah, and also faster than, you know, some other uh, bundlers that exist as well, too. And that only, you know, the difference only gets bigger as you, you go up in the size of your application. So it's faster for small apps as well as extremely large apps. Now, the, the caveat to all of this is that TurboPack is very new. It's in alpha. So we're still adding support for lots of stuff. But we wanted to release it early to give developers the chance to kind of try this out, provide feedback, and just be brought along with the journey as we, you know, build this tool in the open, in open source, and really bring the entire Webpack community along with us too. Because, you know, replacing a Webpack and, you know, the vast ecosystem is not a one month or one year thing. This is a journey. Yeah. And we want to make it easy for, you know, not only Next.js, which is going to have TurboPack, you know, it has TurboPack built in natively, but also everything else on the web that's built on Webpack, we want to bring them along for that journey too. Um, whether it's other frameworks or just people who use Webpack independently by themselves, they kind of stitch it together. Um, we want to help all of those people adopt TurboPack. So it's in alpha today. It's open source. Um, you can try it out in Next.js 13 and expect a lot more on TurboPack in the future. Nice. I where is that you you rarely see those kind of improvement numbers unless it was like moving from hd to an ssd right of <laughs> i mean a 700x does that have to do with the rust language i mean i'm i'm a super fan of rust they actually sit in the same mm -hmm. org as me 
uh, within uh, mm -hmm. developer tooling in AWS and just consistently impressed with that team and, and their commitment to the community. Mm -hmm. is, is some of that coming from Rust or is it a, is it a completely different architecture that, that's happening? That's just an incredible mm -hmm. uh, speed boost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of both. Rust certainly helps. It's providing us a platform for us to, you know, go all in on, on native. But yep. it's also the architecture of TurboPack that is incremental by design. So at a high level, basically, if TurboPack computes any work, it just never does it again. It's a, it has a very intelligent cache, it. which it takes a lot of these same ideas from Turbo Repo, which apply this to actually running some tasks or building some code. So for Turbo Repo, it's like, hey, if I run a build on my application and there's you know 20 builds I need to run, if I already did them, you know, just don't do it again. Right. Turbo Pack is taking that even further, all the way down to, you know, you can get really into the weeds here, but how it traverses this AST of all the dependencies in your application to figure out, oh, this component imports this component, and this component like imports some package from node modules, and like nice. how it constructs this big graph. Turbo Pack is just very intelligent and very smart about not recomputing work that's already done. It's working smarter, not harder. It's good time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what are some other things? I heard about a possible analytics, A/B testing mm -hmm. coming for developers. Yeah, yeah. So there's, I guess, there's one more thing as well too, which is that Vercel has acquired a company called Splitby, which is allowing developers using Vercel to get access to you know, real-time analytics. So, you know, understanding the traffic of your website, as well as in the future support for things like integrated A-B testing. Slippy is, is really amazing. I've been a fan of them for a while and kind of use them for some side projects. We're super excited to bring them into, into our community and really give all for sell developers this new functionality. Um, the, the, the larger goal here is, you know, it's not just for Next.js, it's really for, for all frameworks, but making it super easy to get privacy friendly gdpr compliant analytics that can be yeah. you know automatically just self-hosted on your on your website you know you can just put up that you know analytics url and in ingest in data about your your traffic and understand you know which pages are getting the most views where your where your traffic is coming from and in, in the future also extend that a bit further so I'm, I'm very excited for this there's definitely more to come here as well too but it's uh it's going to be an exciting time. Yeah, I love that it's taking care of that compliance out of the box because it's such a it's it's such a thing to, that consumers are concerned about now uh, in you know in 2022. But as you know, mm -hmm. I remember even in the Alexa days, you know, just writing a privacy statement as a developer for your Alexa skill was uh, you know, a gut-wrenching thing sometimes of trying to figure out, well, what is compliant and what do I need to include in here and how do I actually word this, right? Anytime you have uh, lawyers involved in, in that kind of dialect, you know, it was nerve-wracking. So the ability to actually just mm -hmm. focus on your code and building something and have it be compliant is huge, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about the state of the web today, right, it's... There's cookie banners everywhere. Oh, There's yeah. like, you know, specific banners that pop up specifically for GDPR compliance. And I, I think that 
what we're really trying to enable is to help developers, you know, they, they want to use analytics, they want to understand their traffic, but they want to do it in a way that is also, you know, respectful to their to their users and their data. And I think, you know, it's the state of analytics today or the state of related tooling involves a lot of third party scripts, a lot of sending data over to, you know, XYZ companies. And we think this is a really good way for developers to be able to still get that insight about their traffic, but also do it in a way that's, you know, privacy friendly. Yeah. How do you, uh, just thinking globally and, and moving resources locally, how does all of this fit in um, like edge compute again, which we, we talked a little bit about in mm -hmm. the first episode, like how does this all real world with edge compute and all of these new features What's Lee's mm -hmm. mind like if I was going to build something mm -hmm. and future proof it for the next 18 months, what would you recommend mm -hmm. to someone? Like, where do you kind of see all this headed? Yeah. The great thing about this app directory is, you know, as we move from beta to stability in, in Next.js is you can use this with the Node.js runtime in Next.js today, or you can optionally opt into this edge runtime, right. which is going to allow you to you know, have potentially better performance and, you know, streamline your, um, like the, the type of code you're deploying. So for example, I, I kind of mentioned this in the last, uh, in the last session, basically you're making this trade off of I'm streamlining my runtime, kind of a subset of Node.js, but to do that, I can unlock some really important advantages when I actually deploy that out to my infrastructure. So in terms of future proofing, I think the, the biggest thing today for Next.js developers is upgrading to Next.js 13. You don't necessarily have to update or have to use the latest things in this update. You can upgrade to 13, you know, and just continue using your application as is. If you want to start being more on the bleeding edge and preparing for the next, you know, the next five years of Next.js, you can start using the app directory and kind of opting into this new world. What's a, speaking of real world, what's the biggest that you've ever seen? Like how many React components or uh, Next.js components in it? I'm just oh. super curious. Like how is it like thousands? How complex yeah. do these yeah, things definitely. get? I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah, I've, I've seen an example where one customer had actually hundreds of different Next.js sites that all were part of one larger site. So wow. part of this is a function of kind of how your how your teams want to work or how you want to segment out the different parts of your product. But it's essentially kind of like micro front ends at that point, uh, for lack of a better term, where you have the slash product page, for example, that's actually its own separate application and you're kind of stitching all of these things together. So oh, the, the scale yeah. of Next.js can 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 get pretty wild. It can be as simple as, you know, LeeRob.io, my blog, which is pretty straightforward, all the way out to, you know, some some really large companies. And, you know, AWS itself uses Next.js for some really awesome stuff, like Whole Foods and Audible and yeah. I think a couple other, you know, major websites, uh, which is was really cool to see. Yeah. And at, uh, I wasn't even thinking product pages, but that stuff can get exponential as you start to have different SKUs and different versions of the same thing and how that can actually oh, yeah. go out. Uh, I guess we'll just, we'll just wrap it up with what's got you excited and it, it, it can be anything. Yeah. I'm so on a, on a, a work and community level, I'm, I'm very excited for this new future with turbo pack. There's a long way to go. Yeah. 
there's a lot of work to be done, but just starting to bring the the community along this journey of really going all in on native tooling, going all in on Rust and just trying to help developers get the fastest possible iteration cycles. I'm extremely excited about because when I'm working locally, you know, I want to hit save and I want it to be as fast as possible. Yeah. I want it to be in nanoseconds, not not even milliseconds. And that's the journey that's the journey that we're on. So on that side, I'm very excited about that. On a personal side, you know, conferences are a lot of work. So I'm excited <laughs> that this oh, yeah. event, you know, has been a success. And now I'm going to go, you know, I've, I've ran the marathon and it's time to rest a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take off the holidays. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's always well, with two things in that one, it is such an amazing feeling as an advocate to be part of greenfields, right. Of just, mm-hmm. you've come from the, you, you're in the technology, you're, you know, shoulder to shoulder with the developers that are using the product. And I've identified some of the pain points and you get to conceptualize something new and to see that come out and to see the feedback come in. I know exactly what you mean. It's such a, it's creation, right? It's like any other bringing something that didn't exist uh, before and you get that dopamine hit. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah. The, 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 the second part of it is it is super funny as advocates. And it was the same when I was in the devices org at Amazon. Well, I shouldn't say super funny. I think the, the right word is ironic in that um, all across Amazon as teams are building for reInvent, which is coming up next month, and they release after reInvent, that's exactly what you're saying. It's when they get to relax for a little bit, catch their breath, mentally refresh and get ready for that next marathon, <laughs> um, but not the advocates. It's the busiest time of the year because all this cool stuff came out. <laughs> so now it's like, oh, we want to tell people all about this. We want to show. And you know, it's, it's very, um, you're doing everything. You know, we kind of have this separation of concerns. You're you're helping with the product. You're out there talking about the mm-hmm. product. You're mm-hmm. doing the conference. You know all that, which I I yeah, I, I, yeah, it's a lot. I miss that about uh, uh, startups and all. Yeah, I I love just my hands and a little bit of everything. But um, yeah, it'll you'll my my you'll you'll see a lot of the AWS advocates busy 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 uh, next next couple months. But it's a I love I love this time of the year too. It's a you know reflection back. 2022 certainly hasn't been the easiest, but I've always, since I've been a little kid, technology's always got me excited. I could turn on the news and I could be sad about what's going on, or I can open up my IDE and bounce in my seat of how cool uh, it is to, to mm-hmm. create and, and write something. So I appreciate, mm-hmm. I appreciate everything that you're doing. Continue making the awesome videos, continue listening to, 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 to feedback. Uh, for folks who didn't hear the first episode, where can where can they find you online again? Yeah, yeah, you can find me at leerob.io, which has links to all my stuff, or you can find me on Twitter at uh, leerob with three e's. Great. And all of these announcements are they going to be within us like one place, or is it just best for people to follow you and then they can figure out everything that was announced? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to get a recap of the event and hear all about the announcements. You can still go to nextjs.org and it's right on the homepage. Great. Uh, you can also go to nextjs.org slash 13 if you want to learn more about all the things that are included, as well as rochelle.com slash analytics if you want to learn more about analytics. I'll make sure I add all those. Lots of good stuff. Yeah. Lots and lots of good. There's also a few blog posts, I think, on the Vercel blog if you want to dive a bit deeper into, into some of this stuff. Um, but yeah, 
lots of good stuff. And I don't have it scheduled yet, but I will probably be doing um, some, you know, some live streams with some Q and a to help answer questions sometime in the next, in the next week. So love it. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed this conversation. I super appreciate your time. It was great chatting. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.